بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وبارك على الأشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم أما بعد Alhamdulillah, in the previous lesson we covered uh, Salat al-Khawf, the prayer of fear. And today, inshallah, we'll be talking about Salat al-Jum'ah, the Jum'ah prayer, the Friday prayer, along with some of the ahkam, the rulings in relation to it, the wajibat and the mustahabbat, yani the things that are oblig- obligatory with Jum'ah. Things are recommended for Jum'ah. And inshallah ta'ala, this will actually be the final chapter that we'll be discussing and going through from Kitab al-Salah. This is the final chapter from Kitab al-Salah that we'll be going through. Reason being is that the chapter after this is the the chapter regarding the Salat al-Eidain, the Salat pertaining to the two Eids. However, on the lesson, of, I think it was the Monday, prior to Eid al-Adha, we went through that, that, that chapter and we discussed all of the points in regards to Yan Eid and uh, the points related to the Salat al-Eidain. So, inshallah, this will, as we mentioned, be the final chapter in pertaining to the Kitab al-Salah, I mean, Book of Salah. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Naam. And so, Ibn Qudama, he begins by mentioning relation to the Salat al-Jum'ah that kul man lazimatuhu al-maktuba lazimatuhu al-Jum'ah إن كان إذا كان مستوطنا بيبنا. And so every individual who is obligatory for him, in whom is obligatory for him to pray the salah, yeah, the obligatory prayers, then the salat al is upon him. نعم. شيخنا شيخ عبيد رحمه الله he mentions that the Jum'ah, Salat al-Jum'ah, is upon five specific individuals. Five specific individuals. The first of them is the one that is So the one that hears the Adhan. So if the individual hears the Adhan, then the Salat al-Jum'ah becomes obligatory upon them. The second is a dukur Yani the males, the men. So it's an obligation for the men to pray Salatul Jum'ah. The third is al bulugh So the individual has reached and surpassed the stage of puberty. The fourth is al aql That the person is of sound mind. 
And the fifth is al-hurriya. The fifth is al-hurriya. That individual is free. Essentially, they're not enslaved. These are the five individuals. Or the five conditions, if you like. In order for the individual to be regarded as one that has to establish the Jum'ah. And so, within that, Ibn Qudama, he mentions as well that the person has to be Mustotinan, yani that their person is a resident. So they're resident in, in wherever they are. So, <coughs> if you live in the, in, the, in the area and you're a resident, then the Jummah is also an obligation upon you. Now, thereafter, it mentions, إِلَّا الْمَرْأَ وَالْعَبْدِ وَالْمُسَافِرْ وَالْمَعْذُورِ مَرَدِ أو مَتَرْ أو خوف. Now, and so, Ibn Qadamah mentions here now, Rahimahullah, يعني the exceptions. So he mentions who is an obligation upon, and then he mentions exceptions for who, and for whom the Salat al-Jum'ah is not. So the first of them is the mar'ah, the woman. Naam, the first of them is the woman. Naam. And so, this is due to the hadith of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, found in Sunan Abi Dawud, where the Nabi, alayhi salatu wa salam, mentions the hadith of Tariq ibn Shihab. Tariq ibn Shihab, he narrates, عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الجمعة حق واجب على كل مسلم إلا أربعة So the Jum'ah is an obligation upon every Muslim except for four, the four individuals. مملوك أو المرأة أو صبي أو مريض so it's an obligation upon the it's an obligation upon all except for the mamluk, the one who is owned. If we refer, refer to one that is owned, then you no know, doubt is referring to the, the state, the abd. The imra, the woman, the sabi, the child, all the marid, the one who is sick. And So this narration here is one which is found in the Sunan of Abi Dawud as mentioned and is a narration which is regarded as being uh, Sahih. Allah Ta'ala A'lam. And so due to this narration as we mentioned, this is why we have these conditions of who the Salah, Salat al-Jumma'ah is an obligation upon. So this is the first uh, exception. So who can remember the exceptions we mentioned? So we have the exceptions of the child, the woman, the sick, the slave, 
and the trap the trap the musafir the traveler we said naam and someone said something matar naam and something was included within that though matar not just matar not just rain but what so a person generally has uh they have they generally have an excuse they're genuine they're genuinely excused I said an excuse, I fall under three. Now, the one that has an excuse, it falls under three. So you have the marad, as we mentioned, the one is sick, or matter, any rain, or, remember the last one? Khawf, fear. So these are the three excuses. So we discussed already the woman. Now, as for the musafir, then the proof that the musafir is not upon him to pray Jum'ah is due to the fact that the Prophet ﷺ did not pray the Jum'ah whilst he was at Arafah. And it was yani, Jum'ah. And so this is used as the proof. If a person is upon the journey, if they're musafir, then the Jum'ah is not an obligation upon them. Now the Jum'ah is not an obligation upon them. Thereafter, we have the one that is Ma'adhur. I the one who has yeah, the excuse. And the first of those excuses that I mentioned is due to the marad, yeah, due to the illness. And we mentioned previously regarding the, the Salah of the Murid. Uh, if the person is ill and that illness prevents them from attending the Jum'ah or yani attending Jum'ah, then of course it will prevent them from attending Jum'ah. And so if the illness is a reason for preventing them, then this is the case. And this is the case in relation to the illness, which is an illness, yurja burahu, so an illness where it is, it is anticipated that they will get better, inshallah. Naam. Or an illness where this is not anticipated. So, yani, the illness where it's, it's going to be understood, I will refer to as a chronic illness. Where it's understood generally that the person <laughs> may not get better from it. It doesn't, irrespective of which, what the illness is, if that illness is a preventative factor in them attending the Jama'ah, then it's going to be preventative from, from them attending Jama'ah. Naam. As well as that, we have the matter, the rain. And the proof for that is that or the narration of Ibn Umar where he where the Messenger of Allah وسلم, in a time of heavy rain he commanded the Munadi, yani the Mu'addin, to state upon, instead of the, the Adhan, to call the people with the, the words, Sallu fi rihalikum. I pray within your homes. And so this Nida, this address, was an address for the people due to the, to the heavy rain 
for them to establish the prayer within their homes and not in the jama'ah. So, if it's understood that this is the case for the jama'ah, then this will be understood and allowed to Allah knows best for the Salatul Jum'ah. That if due to that, they're not able to attend, uh, to attend the Salah, then they pray the Salatul Jum'ah in, or they, they, uh, they don't pray the Salatul Jum'ah, they, they rather they pray Salatul Lord within the homes. So, the final, uh, the final affair from these adhar, uh, from these excuses or the, these reasons that excuses a person from the Salatul Jum'ah is the affair of khawf, yani fear. Naam, that the person has a degree of fear. And so, <coughs> the individual, we discussed previously that the individual may fear in his salat, mefalan. And there's a specific salah that the person prays if they fear. Naam. However, if the individual, due to that fear, this now becomes a reason that they're prevented from praying the salah to Jum'ah, then they are genuinely excused. What did we mention when we mentioned like, the, the fear of the, the salah to khawf generally last week? What was the fear pertaining to? War. So, yani, the fear of the adu, the fear of the enemy. Naam. And so, what we understand from the affair of the fear is that it doesn't now negate the obligation of prayer itself. The person still has to pray. However, the person will adjust the manner in which they pray due to that particular fear. Naam. Or the nature of the enemy, I where the enemy is, the position of the enemy. So, for example, from the from the conditions of the salah is istiqbal al kibla. Well, the condition of the prayer is that the person faces the kibla. However, if now you know, for example, you're facing the kibla is this way, right behind us here. However, the enemy is coming from that way. Now, when they approach him, then you have the sukut, or iskat of that particular condition. And that condition is removed. So the person doesn't now continue to just pray facing the Qibla whilst the enemy is behind them. Rather, they have the ability to face the direction of the enemy, but they still need to establish the salah. Naam. Then remember how we mentioned that there's other there are many different uh, suwar, yeah, many different manner, mannerisms of how this can be prayed. But we discussed one last week. Does anyone remember how it was? How? You have two groups. You have two groups. And the first group prays with the imam. The first group prays with the imam. The first group prays the salawat by themselves. What's the, what's the second group doing whilst the first group is doing that? They're facing the enemy. Now, so this is in a scenario where they, they, one group can face the enemy. <coughs> now. And then the second group 
the second group come and join the imam in the, in the, in the imam's second rakah. But it's the second group's first rakah. No. The man finishes by themselves. Make sense? The reason why I mention all of that and recap on all of that is to illustrate the manner in which Shiddah to Khawf may impact upon the nature of how the person prays. And so if it impacts upon the nature of the Salah, then of course it's going to make the affair of establishing Jum'ah difficult to impossible. And so due to that fear... The Jum'ah is not an obligation upon the individual. Naam. The Jum'ah is not obligation upon the individual that fears. What's another manner in which a person may fear? So now we mentioned the enemy and that's an example of Salatul Khawf. How can a person also fear? Now, it's also mentioned that there's, there's a genuine fear for يعني, your wealth. Now, from your wealth. So the person fears that if they are to leave something from their wealth behind, then this is then they will, uh, someone may come upon it and take from that wealth. Now, what else could be regarded as fear? Within that same thing as well, the wealth. So if you fear, for example, the wealth, i.e. fear is going to be stolen, man, then someone they mentioned that this is a reason. This is regarded as a genuine fear. Okay? What else? This could be fear. And within that same dis- discussion of fearing for your wealth. Your livelihood? How? Allah Alam. It brings such a kind of Allah Alam. Allah Alam. Not necessarily that, no. Your property. Your property? No. What? Something Something to do with property that they mention. Loss of it? No. How? <coughs> Loss of property. How could your property be lost? Not enemy necessarily. Come on, leave it. No, talking about your property now. It's burning now. Burning. For example, now, if there is a fear that there's a genuine fear that you have something on fire, now, or something that is like naturally burning, for example, you're cooking, whatever, but you fear by way of leaving it, or you're not able to leave it for whatever reason, or you're not able to turn it off, this thing can happen. And you fear by way of leaving it that it's going to bring about damage or loss of property altogether, then this is also regarded as being a fear. Does that make sense? If you've got, you got the curry goat on the stove. <laughs> or the, the, the Nahari and... Allah knows best, and then maybe there's, there's a fault, and the person's not able to turn it off. Now, it's not now a case of person's like, okay, I have to, I have to pay Jumma. No, because it could be a case of that's, that's caused a, a greater loss, loss of property. That's, that's regarded as fear. Then we mentioned the fear, um, ala nafs. 
I so the person all of that was fear upon your property, your your wealth. The second is that your fear and a nafs. Naam. So you fear for yourself. You fear for yourself. And that is inclusive of what we discussed previously. For example, you fear for yourself about of, of the enemy approaching. Naam. So if you're in a genuine war, war scenario, battle scenario, then the obligation, yani the wujub of Jum'ah, is removed from you. Likewise, fear upon oneself could be the case if the person is aware of uh, a predator, a beast. If he's aware, for example, that if for him taking a particular path, which is always maybe his path to, on his way to Jum'ah, but there's a particular beast on that path, that, that gen, that's a genuine fear, and he's now ma'adhur. To be fair, it's not a problem you're going to have in Manchester like that. Oh, Allah, Allah. No, I don't think you're going to face, face any, uh, any uh, predators in uh, Cheatham Hill. Huh? Lamb, but this, this is not predators. These are not predators. These are this is if anything that would be the closest closest thing to that would be you know, the adu, the enemy. And yeah, and you shouldn't fear them anyway because they don't have much strength. <laughs> now, as well as that, you have so you have the fear from your wealth, the fear upon your for yourself, and then the fear. The third is the fear for other than yourself. For example, what? Children. Children, now. Your children. So, for example, a scenario, if you're in, you find yourself in the scenario that if, for whatever reason, for your attendance of the Jummah, maybe put jeopardy upon a child, now, you, you have, or you feel that like you're felt. Or you're in a scenario that if you were to leave, you have to leave the child. Or fear for another individual that may be regarded as da'if. Yeah, in a state, state of weakness. Naam. All of these things, whilst they're excuses, it doesn't now mean that the person should not mitigate for those circumstances. So it doesn't now mean that the person just accepts it as an excuse and they do not find, they do not try to find a way to remove those circumstances. So if you look at, for example, the person, he has a child. Naam, and he fears that you can't leave a child at home and attend the Jum'ah. Naam. Generally speaking, you go attend with the child anyway. But if he's in a scenario where he can't attend with his child, then in this scenario... Of course, he should strive to find someone that can look after the child. And not one where he's, he has to leave the child by itself, defend for itself for that amount of time. But if now, for example, he doesn't seek that aid, now someone to aid him in that, in that, in that, in that regard, he cannot now say, I have an excuse though because the child makes what I said. No. Likewise, the person, he fears that if I take this path to Jum'ah, 
then I may face yani, a predator of some, of some sort. This doesn't now mean that he negates it in totality because there's many other paths he can take. And if he's aware that there's other paths that he take, that he will take are fine, then upon him is to consider taking those other paths. So, whilst, as you mentioned, these are genuine excuses, these are excuses that the person can take or are valid for him to not pray the Jum'ah, it doesn't now negate the fact that the person must try to mitigate the circumstance. Allah Ta'ala knows best. Now, Thereafter, now, we have the statement of Ibn Qadam, where he goes on to mention women, women sharat sihataha fa'alaha fi waqtiha fi kariya. Wa an yahduraha min mustawtaneen arba'oon ahlil wujubiha. And so, what is mentioned as well is that the ones that have fulfilled those conditions, naam, the ones that have fulfilled those conditions in order to yani, pray the Salatul Jum'ah, and we said the conditions are how many? Five. Which is are Five. And what are they? Here's the other. Person's a male now. It's puberty. The sound mind. And he's now. He's free. So these are the conditions. Once he's reached those conditions, I he's reached those conditions, then upon him is to establish the salah and he must establish it within its time now he must establish it within its time and so in relation to the time of salatul jum'ah some of ahlul ilm they mention that the time for salatul jum'ah begins the time for salatul jum'ah begins at the time where it is permissible to pray Salatul Eid. The time Salatul Jum'ah begins when it's permissible to pray Salatul Eid. Which is when exactly? After the sunrise. Naam. So you have some of the Ahlul Am from amongst the Hanabila, where they mention that the time is from when it's permissible to pray yani, Salatul Eid. However, Shaykh and Shaykh Urbayt. He mentions that the sawab, the correct opinion from the sunnah is, and that's what's mustafid, or istifadat, and the ahlul ilm, the affair which is widespread and well known amongst the scholars, is that the waqt, the time of Salatul Jum'ah is after the zawal. Yani after the zawal, meaning after the midpoint, where the sun is at its most, or just after it's at its highest point. So just before the waqt al-dhuhr, just before the time of dhuhr. 
As this is when the person can establish the Salat, the Salat of Jum'ah. Here Ibn Qudama as well, Rahimahullah, he mentions that it should be attended, the Salat of Jum'ah should be attended by those that are residents and have reached the number of 40. Da'am. And this is the opinion of Imam Ahmed or a riwayah and in Ahmed. It's a riwayah and a narration of Ahmed. What did we mention? What did we mention previously? When we say we read if we read in the books of fiqh, and the book of fiqh will say, This is a riwayah on Ahmed, this is a narration from Ahmed. What is meant by that? Naam. Nah. So it's not it's not related to his Muslim. <coughs> now it's not related. It's not related to a hadith that he's narrating. If we say that this is a position or this is a call, this is a, a, a particular statement. Naam, then this is a statement rewired Ahmed. It means that this was something that was narrated from Ahmed, and there are other things that are narrated from from him about the same masala, about the same issue. Naam, so this is this is an example of that. So in this issue here, what has been what has been narrated from Ahmed? Is that he mentions, Rahimahullah, that the, the, the amount for that to be for for the jama'ah to be considered to be a salatul jum'ah, which is sahiha, is 40. Naam, the salatul jum'ah has to be 40. And so, due to that, Dhahaba ilay, due to that, Ibn Qudama, Rahimahullah, Adheres to that particular position, thus he mentions it in this book. However, and so this is the opinion of Imam Ahmed, also as well the opinion of uh, Sheikh Al-Sam He mentions, yani, uh, he mentions 40. However, the stronger opinion, Allah Ta'ala knows best, is that Jum'ah is sufficient to be established by how many? Two, three? Two or more? Two or more? Two or more, two, three. Anyone else? Is it wrong? Huh? Is it wrong? We'll see. <laughs> two, two or more, two, three. <coughs> What do we say? Ten. Ten? That sounded very guessy, but ten, okay. <laughs> now, what do we say? Three. Toph. You sounded very confident with the three, so I'm going to ask you why three. Anything that? Naam. Naam. Right, so because free is established, is, is regarded as a jama'ah, then this is the jama'ah. Good answer. That's wrong. <laughs> you need two listeners and one khatib. You need two listeners and one khatib. So you're saying free as well. So you need two listeners and one Why do you need two listeners? Uh-huh. So, who said two? He said, 
He said two is sat on the fence at the same time. Two is Dwight. The two of you, like that. No. Essentially, no. It is two. And that can be used as a delete. Also, there's a narration which is even more يعني, uh, straightforward or more to the point, if you like. Where it mentions that a jama'ah is two or more. A jama'ah, anything that regards the salat of jama'ah is two or more. And essentially... Salatul Jum'ah is a Salatul Jama'ah. Now, Salatul Jum'ah is a Salatul Jama'ah. So, we will regard this the number to be Yani 2. And the person established Salatul Jama'ah. It's also narrated in relation to uh, <coughs> Sheikh Al Bani. Muhammad Ashraddin Al Bani, that he was upon this position as well, that he prayed with too. And he mentions that. He would, he would go sometimes go with a companion of his and they would pray Jum'ah together. And he, Allah, one of them would give the khutbah, everyone would listen and then they would pray the Salatul Jum'ah together. Now I'm so too, Allah Ta'ala knows best is what is the stronger of the two in Allah Ta'ala knows best. No, but it's not jama'ah though. Because there's, there's, there's no jama'ah except there has to be two or more. So he gives, he, he calls that, he calls that Adan, calls it a karma, and he prays, and he's established a prayer in the maktubah, the abrivishy prayer, but it's not regarded as a jama'ah. No, because jama'ah has to be two individuals or more. Because there's no jama'ah then. Because he's one by himself. Essentially, with Jama'ah, you had, there has to be an individual praying with them. No? Now, so, thereafter, Ibn Khadam mentions where you have to cut them, Khutbatan, Fi Khuli Khutba, Hamdullah Ta'ala. وَصَلَاةَ عَلَى رَسُولِهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَكَرَعَةَ عَيَةَ وَمَوْعِذَةَ And so, within this, you have the mentioning as well that the Salatul Jum'ah is preceded by two khutbas. It's preceded by two khutbas. Naam. Where Allah Ta'ala is praised and the Salah is sent upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and there's an admonition. Now, so I sent upon the Nabi Alayhi Salatu Salam and an ayah is reciting an admonition. So, first and foremost, Ibn Qudama mentions that there's a khutbah there's two khutbahs. Why does he mention there's two khutbas? Naam. Essentially, what he's referring to is not that the khutbah is 
is that the person gives one whole khutbah and the other one gives another whole khutbah. Rather, what he's referring to is the fact that each khutbah or each time the person that the Imam speaks is regarded as being a khutbah. Naam. And the proof of that is the statement or the hadith which is from Bukhari Muslim where it mentions and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kana yakhtub khutbatain yakhud baynahuma that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would give two khutbahs and he would sit between the two. Naam, this is what is referring to the khutbatain. Taim. Thereafter, Ibn Qudamah, rahimahullah, he mentions four particular, yani sifat, four particular, yani, uh, characteristics of that khutbah. Do you remember what they were? Four. Just read, just read them. Yahmadullah. So he praises Allah. Second, a salah and a nabi alayhi salatu wassalam. Yakra ayah recites an ayah from ayah from the book of Allah. And it's within it is a mawaidah, an admonition. Naam. So we're getting the four. The praise of Allah, the uh, the salah al Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, kira'at ayah from the Quran, wa mawaidah, and an admonition. With this, barakallahu feekum, Shaykh al-Shaykh Ubaid, he mentions that this is not a shabt, these are not shurut. So these are, not con- these are not conditions for the siha of the khutbah. So this is, a, this is not conditional. So for example, it's not said now if the person, for example, does not mention the salah al-nabi, within the khutbah, that now the khutbah is batila. And then the salah al-jumah is batila. Rather, he mentions, Shaykh Ubaid mentions, that this is a sunnah mu'akkada. Naam. That this is an emphasized and encouraged sunnah that the individual, once they are, once they are uh, given a khutbah, that they establish the khutbah with these, each of these four things. Naam. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. Wayustahab and yakhtub ala minbar. أكبر على الناس فسلم عليهم ثم يجلس وأذن المؤذن نعم and so what is مستحب is that he gives the khutbah upon the minbar نعم he gives the khutbah upon the minbar and so this is the amr which is مستحب نعم أو على موضع يعني آل يعني upon a, a high place so that he's standing essentially above <coughs> the people li- listening in. <coughs> and once he ascends upon the minbar, he gives the salam, he gives the salam to the congregation. He gives the salam to the congregation and thus sits down. And he sits whilst the mu'addin gives the adhan. So he, he stands, addresses the people with the, with the salam, and then he sits down. ثُمَّ يَقُومَ الْإِمَامِ فَيَخْتُبْ ثُمَّ يَجْلِسْ 
Then the Imam, so after the Adhan, the Imam stands up and then he addresses the people, gives a khutbah, and then sits down. Then he gives the second khutbah. Naam. And so the, then the salah is established by way of the ikama. Naam, by way of the ikama. So the ikama is given once the imam naam, has completed the khutbah. What is the difference between this and the ikama in this, in this, in this case and the ikama for the salat al-jama'ah? What's the difference? Salat al-Jum'ah Salat al Tukun Salat al-Jum'ah 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 Salat al what about in terms of where the Imam is or what the Imam does in relation to the Iqama for Jum'ah and the Iqama for the Jama'ah? One is? One is where he's entering the masjid. One is where he's entering the masjid. Maybe that's only here. <laughs> in this masjid, maybe that's the case. But the Imam enters, so that's when we get the Iqama. But the Imam might already be there. Naam. The imam might already be there. The place of the imam? Naam. Yes. A bit more though. How do we know that it's time to, to give the ikama for the Jum'ah? Okay, and then how do we know it's the time to give the, the ikama for the Salat Jum'ah? Well, he's in front of the Jama'ah. Yeah. So the Jama'ah, no. So, so the Jama'ah, we know that it's we, we know that it's time for him to give the or to give the Muaddin knows it's time to give the Iqama because the Khutbah ends. Now, so it's signified by the end of the Khutbah. The Salatul Jama'ah. How do we know it's time to give the Iqama? <coughs> The Imam is upon the Imam to give the ishara, now to indicate to the Mu'addin it's time to give the to come to give the ikama. Naam. What you may find, what occurs a lot, is that the Mu'addin, he will give the ikama based upon what the clock says. Naam. So if the clock is time for the salah, he'll give the ikama. Irrespective of whether the Imam is jahiz, or whether the Imam is prepared and ready or not. Naam. Essentially, the way that it should be it should be looked at is that the Imam he's the one that is leading the people in this action of ibadah. Naam. And like anyone that is leading, any captain if you like, that is leading a people in something, he is the one that gives the notice that this is about to begin. Naam. And it's not say for example the person that's second in line to say we're about to proceed. Naam. So it's the Imam, the Imam comes. If he gives the ishara to the to the muaddin, so he indicates to the muaddin 
that it's time to give the iqama, that's when the iqama is given. Naam? And it's not based upon a time, and it's not based upon the people saying, where's the imam? Or the people maybe getting up, giving, you know, pressuring them, or adding like, we're going to get up now, so you better give the iqama. No, it's upon the imam that he gives that ishara, he gives that indication that it's time to give the adhan. When it comes to the uh, the Jumu'ah, the Mu'addin or the Imam is already there. Now the Imam is already there, and thus he, by way of his uh, by way of his his ending of the khutbah, now he then has made it clear that it's time to establish the salah. Now, what's also mentioned, and uh, Sheikh. Abu Hassan Malik from uh, New Jersey, Allah. He done. Uh, he mentioned some points in relation to the khutbah and its ending. And generally, what you find when it comes to the end of the khutbah, um, that the muaddi or the imam rather will state the words wa'aqim salah, yani and establish the salah. Within the, the bahf, within the, the research. He's mentioned, uh, and it's unfortunately apparently this is, this is the sawab as well. He mentioned, that there is no actual asr from the sunnah or the sharq, from the sunnah or the legislation that states that the imam will state this at the end of his khutbah. And establish the salah. Rather, there should not be a need for that because at the end, as long as it's clear that the khutbah is ended, this is the ishara that the salah needs to begin because the salah follows the khutbah mubashatan. The salah follows the khutbah straight away. And so this is what we understand from this. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. Naam. Thereafter, Muqadama goes into mention. Yajhar fihima bi kira'a. And so, within this, the imam, within the salah, he prays and he recites out loud. So he recites out loud. Naam. What we understand from this as well, Barakalafikum, is that this recitation out loud is ijma. There's ijma upon that. So there's a consensus that the Imam recites out loud for Jum'ah. What well, is from the Sunnah of the Nabi alayhi salatu salam? I, from what he recites in the Jum'ah is that there are two sunan. Naam, there are two sunan. And this is found in the hadith of Abi Huraira, radiallahu anhu, where he mentions, Samitu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yakra bi surat al-jum'ah wal munafiqeen fi al-jum'ah. So Abu Huraira, he mentions that I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam recite Surah Al-Jum'ah and Surah Al-Munafiqeen, yani for Salat Al-Jum'ah. So we understand from that is that he recited Surah Al-Jum'ah first in the first rakah, yani, and Surah Al-Munafiqeen in the second rakah. So hadith found in Sahih Muslim. Likewise, as well, you have the hadith of Nu'man where he mentions. كان يقرأ 
يعني النبي عليه الصلاة والسلام كان يقرأ في العيدين والجمعة بسبه اسم ربك الأعلى وهل أتاك حديث الغاشية again narrated in Sahih Muslim and so he mentioned first and foremost that he in for Salat to Jum'ah he would recite Sabihis Rabbika Al-A'la Surah Al-A'la that's the first rakah and the second rakah Hal Ataka Hadith Al-Ghashiyah Ya'ani second rakah Surah Al-Ghashiyah so both of them are regarded as being from the Sunan of Jum'ah some of them also mention that if you pray if you recite once one of the Surah from amongst the Sunan Naam in one rakah you must recite the second surah in the second rakah. So, for example, you recite surah al-A'la in the first rakah. You cannot now recite surah al-Kafirun for then in the second rakah. If you've established that you recite that in the first rakah you pray salat, you recite surah al-A'la, then in the second rakah you have to recite surah al-Ghashiyah. Likewise, if the individual recites in the first rakah Surah Al-Jum'ah, then in the second rakah he has to recite Surah Al-Munafiqeen. And he can't differentiate between the Surah. <coughs> Thereafter, I mentioned Naam. And so if the individual comes into the salah and he he he, he, he comes and he catches a rakah, then he completes his Jum'ah. So he completes one other rakah. So for example, he comes and the imam's in the second rakah. So he comes and the imam's standing in the second rakah. Then once he's, the imam is completed, he stands up and prays how many more rakat? One more. One more. Now he's, he's completing the salah. If now, for example, he misses both rakat. So, for example, he comes in and the imam is completed, then of course he has to pray dhuhr. If he comes in and the imam is sitting, now in tashahud, then he has to still pray dhuhr. Naam, because he's missed both rakah. All we understand from this as well is that this is, uh, if you like, a refutation or rejection of those that claim that Salatul Jum'ah is actually like Salatul Dhuhr. And they will say that the two khutbas is representative of the first two rakah al Dhuhr and the two. Uh, the two, so the two rakat, the rakatain in the salah is representative of two, the two, the, the last two rakat al dhuhr. No, because if the person was to dismiss one rakat of the salah, he only makes up one rakat, and he doesn't make up three because he's missed the khutbah. Now, upon him is to strive to attend the khutbah. However, if he misses the khutbah, he doesn't doesn't now it does not now mean that he has to make up some of the salawat. Naam, does it make sense? So rather, he only makes it up if he misses. I only praise Jummah if he misses both rakah. Naam. Wala yujus. 
أن يصلي في المسجد أكثر من جمعة واحدة إلا أن تدعو الحاجة إلى أكثر منها. طيب، this is a matter we were discussing a few weeks ago. I believe. Where look at that here is mentioning that it's not permissible to pray more than one Juma in an area unless there's a need for it. Now, so he mentioned it's not permissible to pray more than one Juma in an area. Fadlan, pray more than one Juma in a single masjid. So the discussion we were having was about praying a Juma in a single masjid. Some of Ahlul Ilm mentioned that they shouldn't pray more than one Juma in an area. So let's say, for example, we have here Cheetham Hill. Of course, this is not the, the best of examples because this is only selling messages. But let's say in the Cheetham Hill area, there's five messages, five masajids. And the Muslims live in and around these masajids. Then there should be one masjid that everyone congregates in. Now, it shouldn't be the case that everyone, the, every single one of these masajid establishes Salatul Jum'ah. Now, that's what you find as well. For those that, for those uh, that maybe lived in uh, Saudi or Medina, not every single masjid in Medina prays Jum'ah. Now, so you might turn up at your local masjid and there's no khutbah because not every single masjid prays Jum'ah. The Jum'ah is established in specific masajid. Why? Because it's a means of congregating the people of that particular area in one place. Naam. So we say due to that, that the Jum'ah should not be established, generally speaking, in many different places in an area. So again, of course, this means that we shouldn't establish many different Jum'ahs in one masjid. The only time that you would establish Jum'ah in different masajid is that da'atil hajjah, if there was a need for that. Naam. For example, that the amount of people that live in an area are more than the capacity of the masjid. The amount of people that live in the area are more than the capacity of the masjid. So, that's when there's a need. But that cannot be said again, going back to the mas'ala of praying two or three more Jum'ahs in the masjid. Naam. This doesn't now mean that people can now say there's a need. Just because there's crowding doesn't mean now that there's an absolute need to do more than one Jum'ah. Because also, if you do that, you establish more than one Jum'ah in the masjid, what happens? What can it lead to? Lead to more? Once you, start, once you open that door and you have two, what prevents you from having three or four? Now? You can find that this becomes an action which people believe is mashru'ah. People believe it's legislating, it becomes a bid'ah. What else? The person prays a second, believing it's good for him, and therefore he's a bid'ah. If he's a bid'ah, if he prays a second and he believes it's good to him, good for him, then if he's a bid'ah, again, he, he may be the one that perpetuates that this is mashru'ah, this is legislative. What about the, the attitude of people now? They value it less, naam, of course. The people not congregated. Of course, the people not congregated, of course, splitting, naam. Exactly. Also, it can cause kessel. 
were tasahul. People become negligent about regarding their Jum'ah. So the person, he's not striving to attend Jum'ah anymore. Think of the narration that, that encourages you to strive to attend the Jum'ah. To strive to be, oh, salam, to be there before the Imam. To strive to be the first one there. If the person's attitude now becomes, I'm not even going to make it for the first Jum'ah. I'm going to wait for the third Jum'ah. Definitely. <coughs> so, then there's no more striving, there's no more ishtihad for the person seeking to attain that reward. And so many harms can come with that. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. So, likewise, Ibn Khudar mentions, so, it's mustahab. Now, it's highly recommended, essentially, that the person performs a ghusl for Jum'ah, they wear the clean clothing for the Jum'ah, they perfume themselves, and they seek to attend early. Now, they seek to attend early. Going back to what you mentioned, if there's two free Jum'ahs, then there's no need for, or the person does not have that desire to attend early. Because their desire is to pray that Jum'ah that fits into whatever their schedule is. Their work schedule, or whatever, or even less than that. <coughs> now, thereafter, Ibn Khadama mentions, for in Ja'al Imam, Yaktub, Lem Yedris, Hatta Yusajirakatin. Nam. Wayujis fihima. And so, if the individual comes to the Jum'ah, Nam, and the Imam is given the khutbah, then he does not sit down until he has prayed Rakatin. And he makes those, those Rakatin. Two short rakat, size short rakat. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu
Now, so if the person enters whilst the Imam is giving the khutbah, uh, then the individual must pray the rakatin. So they pray two short rakatin before uh, he sits down. And the proof for that is the hadith of Jabir and Abdullah. Qad rajlun wa nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqtu. Faqad salayti ya fulan. Qala la. Qal fasalli rakatin. And so, Jabir ibn Abdullah, Rajal Anhuma, he mentioned that a man entered whilst the Prophet was giving a khutbah. And so he stated, Have you prayed the rakatin? Or have you prayed? You are Fulan. Before he sat down. He stated, no. And so the Messenger of Allah said, in response, then pray. Likewise as well, finally, Ibn Qudama mentions, Jews al-kalam wal-imam And it's not permissible for the individual to speak whilst the imam is calling or whilst the imam is giving a khutbah. And the proof is the hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where he mentions إِذَا قُلْتَ لِصَاحِبَكَ وَالْإِمَامِ يَقْتُبْ عَمْسِبْ فَقَدْ لَغَوْتَ And so Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa mentions that if you say to your companion whilst the Imam is giving the khutbah and you be silent, be quiet then you have fallen into an action of disobedience, an action of sin. As for the reason for this particular hukum, i.e. that the person does not speak, is due to the fact that what is upon the individual during the khutbah is al-istima, is that they're listening, is that they're attentive. It's not possible for the person to be attentive while and listen in whilst they're speaking to another. Whilst they're having a, a, a conversation with another individual. If it's the case that they're having a conversation, or they're speaking and they're, now they're not engaged fully with the khutbah. And so with this case, in this case, then it would be said, it would be said, Naam, that the individual is not engaging us in the in the in the in the khutbah and is distracted. Ibn Qudama, he mentions this uh, an exception for when a person can speak during the khutbah. And the exception for when a person can speak during the khutbah is if the Imam himself is speaking to you. If the Imam is speaking to you, then you may respond. What's the proof for that? The previously mentioned hadith. But the Messenger of Allah وسلم, yani addressed the individual and asked him, Did you pray? So he addressed him. And so 
The man responded with like negative. He didn't he had to, he had to pray. Yeah, the point being that he responded. And again, it goes back to the the hikmah of the one not speaking. That if now the reason for you not speaking is due to the fact that you are able to fully concentrate, listen to the khutbah, naam, and take heed of what is within the khutbah. If the imam is speaking to you and addressing you, then of course you're going to be able to speak because the, you no longer listen to the imam's khutbah, but you're addressing the imam and his speech towards you. And so thus, within that, it is uh, permissible for the person to speak and that is uh, Allah Ta'ala knows best an exception, and that is what we have here, Jazakumullah khair, from some of the ahkam wal fawaid relating to Salatul Jum'ah. And as we mentioned, this is the final discussion or final part of Kitab al Salah, Walillahi alham. And in our next lesson, inshallah, we'll begin with the Kitab al Janais. In the chapter pertaining to the funeral. Wallahu ta'ala, a'lam. Babarakallahu fikum, wa jazakum, wallahu khayra. Wa sallallahu wa barak ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.